So I encourage you to have your Bibles open uh, or your devices or whatever it is on chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. If you're using devices, perhaps the flight mode or the, 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 the silent shut-off, the rest of the world mode would be a good idea. We don't want to be distracted. We want to concentrate on uh, God's Word and what He is saying to us through it this morning. I've used the illustration of a sandwich before. I've talked about chapters 12, 13, and 14 being like a sandwich. And so that's a, an illustration that you, you've heard before. This is the, uh, the spiritual gift sandwich, if you like. There's spiritual gifts. There's in the middle, chapter 13, on love. And then there's uh, spiritual gifts again. And, and now I've got this sort of illustration of sandwiches in my mind. I keep seeing sandwiches in God's Word. Uh, we could say that uh, chapter 13 itself is like a sandwich. It, it starts off uh, talking about uh, the gifts, then it has a big section of love in the middle, and then uh, it talks about gifts again, and you could look about it even further out, and you could say well, it talks about love, and then it talks about gifts, and then it talks about love, and then it talks about gifts, and then it talks about love. So a triple-decker sandwich, if you like. And this section that we're looking at particularly this morning, I was going to say looks like a sandwich, and I thought, well, no, actually, this is going a bit silly. I want to use a different illustration. Bookends. If you've been into Pastor Andrew's house, uh, you'll see in their front room on top of their bookcase, there's not enough room in the bookcase for all the books, he has books on top of the bookcase, and he has bookends. And these are uh, magnificent bookends. I've got a picture of bookends here, which should be coming up. Uh, these are not so magnificent, elephant ones. But the ones he has in, in his house are a piece of olive tree chopped in two. And uh, if you want to put something in the will that would remind me of you, uh, particularly, I, I would like the bookends, please. <laughs> but the bookends hold the books in place. The, the bookends pull it all together. And, and this section that we're looking now has two bookends. It has two things that holds it all together. And we need to hang on to what holds it all together while we look at the rest of it. So often we miss out on God's word because we don't see the surroundings to it. We get caught up in a verse, a passage, and we forget the surroundings. And so we must remember the bookends. The passage that we're looking at this morning here in 1.13 is that the verses 8 through to 13. And 8 starts, love never ends. And 13 finishes, but the greatest of these is love. That's the bookends. That is what holds this section together. Love never ends. And the greatest of these is love. And so as we look at the rest of the passage, as we wrestle with what the rest of it is saying, we have to have that in our mind. Love. And it's not surprising, is it? Because this chapter is on love and it's where it's gone from and it's where it's going. And it's this great, great message. The main point of this passage is the primary importance of love that transcends everything. We know from our earlier studies in this chapter 13 that the original word for love that used here is agape. And this is a love that's not a fluffy sort of love that is all emotional and all sort of sentimental and all sort of love songish. 
But this is a love that is an action, not just a feeling. I was reading a book in the week, and the author was describing this amazing scene of this couple that sort of bumped into each other. And as they bumped into each other, Cupid got his bow and arrow out and struck them, and they both sort of fell in love with each other. And it was all sort of wonderful, and the little birdie started singing songs around them. And there was just this lovely love between them. And everyone looked on and thought, isn't that sweet? Isn't that lovely? And everyone knew they were going to get married one day. And sure enough, they, they got engaged, and everything was going well and everything was lovely and it was just great and then they got married and, and everything was lovely and everything was great and then it's like someone switched off the feelings and, and the fluffy pink cloud wasn't there and Cupid was chasing after some other mugs uh, depending if you're cynical about those things or not which I'm not because Rachel is here and love and marriage is great but, but love Agape love is love that needs to be worked on. It's love that demands action. It's love that shows itself in action. It's not just sentimental words. And then this is the love that we're talking about. This, this agape love is demonstrated in the greatest love story of all. For God so loved the world. The greatest love story of all isn't a lady throwing her hands in the fire to save her daughter. The greatest love story of all is the Son of God, the God-man himself, hanging naked in shame and pain on the tree at Calvary so that our sins can be forgiven, so that we can be made right with God, so that we, the wretched, can be made right and brought into God's presence ultimately and know God now as our Heavenly Father and our Savior. As we look through verses uh, 4 through to 7, and we're possibly going to come back and look at 7 in more detail later, I'm not sure, but we'll we'll see. But as we look through 4 to 7, we we saw the love that was there. And as we explored each one of these in in more detail, we looked at it in God, the Son's life, in Jesus' life. We saw these descriptions of love, whether positively or negatively, perfectly demonstrated by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's, it's in the light of this agape love that, that Paul has outlined. It's in the light of his initial statement where he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Or if I give all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. In the light of this agape love, Paul goes on in this passage in uh, 1.13. And from verse 8, he goes on and he outlines, and I've got for us uh, five facts about gifts. Five facts about spiritual gifts in the light of this agape love, in the light of these bookends, love. And the first one that I want to bring to your attention is that gifts are temporary. Now before you get upset, because I know that this can be upsetting for some people, I know that different people have different ideas and we've talked about this before, please listen to God's word. This is God speaking to the Corinthians originally and it is God speaking to us now. 
And I don't want this title, this heading to be provocative. I want us to listen and work through what God's word is saying. Gifts are temporary. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. And for today, as we are looking at this passage, I want us to see the emphasis of the contrast and not the controversy. Yeah? We, we, will ask, we will answer some of these big questions. We're coming to them, yes? But just as we're running through this now, I want us to see the emphasis of the controversy. The controversy is when they will cease, yes? Some people say they've ceased now. Some people say some of them have ceased. Some people say they're going to cease later, yes? That's not what I want us to, to focus on right now. What I want us to focus on right now is the contrast that we see here. And the contrast is that the gifts will cease, whereas love does not. Love never ends. It's this bookend that's the big deal here. Let's not get caught up in other things. Yes, they are important. We need to square them off. But what is really important here for us to get right, and what was really important for the Corinthians to get right, is that love never ends. Gifts are temporary, but love never ends. When things go wrong in the world, the value of currencies tend to drop, and people buy gold. Yeah, this is sort of an economic principle that kind of happens. Yes, people will ditch Bitcoin because they want something tangible in gold. Yeah. You can see it. My ring is gold. It's there. It's not going anywhere. It's mine. And a bank account with figures, well, what could happen? We don't know. And so in that environment, people go for what is sure and go for what is lasting. Now, gold isn't everlasting because it is in this world. And love never ends. This is what Paul is trying to say to these Corinthians. Yes, there, there is a value in gifts. Absolutely, we're not going to decry that. But the real thing, the really important thing, is not gifts that are temporary. The really important thing here is love. The word pass away is, is used for both Prophecy and knowledge, and it gives the idea to reduce in to, to an inactivity, so to, to, to get less and, and finish off. And there's a different word for the tongues. The tongues comes up with a word called cease. And the original there gives the idea to just to come to a stop or to end straight away. And, and, and what we need to see. And what we need to remember is the book ends our love. And, and the big point isn't so much about when the end is coming or how the end is coming for the, the spiritual gifts. The big point is, and the emphasis here is love never ends. It's the contrast between love and gifts. What we saw on social media is the notice for this sermon, and the title was Gifts versus Love. Well, love never ends, love continues. 
And the Corinthians had this problem in their church life. The Corinthians had this problem as they were operating as spiritual gifts and especially the supernatural spiritual gifts and especially those that have been mentioned explicitly here by Paul, prophecies, knowledge, and tongues. They were acting as if that was all that mattered. And the church was, and the individuals were going on about those things. And love was being pushed out. Now, now we have to get this right. Because Paul has already told them in 12, and I said this at the beginning, that they're not to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. They're important. There's an importance to them. And then if we go on to 14, we're told to pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, a special prophecy. And, And so it's not that they don't matter. It's not that they are not important to the Corinthians, and it's not that it's not important for us to know and understand them now ourselves. But what is important, what is absolute, what is the must, is we must get our idea and our relationship with love right first. Because love is all important. Love is what it is all about. Love never ends, but the others pass away and cease. And love never ends. And and before we get caught up in thinking about when or if the gifts have ceased, we we have to take a step back and, and we have to apply into our lives and into our church life what is being said here in general and what this main point is. And the warning was these Corinthian folk were getting caught up in valuing the here and now as opposed to the eternal shown in God's love. And and we are in serious danger of doing exactly the same. So often we can get so caught up in the temporal and and the stuff that's around and about us and the things, be that spiritual gifts or be that programs that we hold or be that our orthodox religion or whatever it is. And we obsess on the temporal and we forget the eternal and we forget God's love and we forget to be loving because we're so caught up in other stuff. David Jackman in his commentary, his little book on this, Let's Study Corinthians, writes, If all our energies are engaged in our present experiences... And our use of spiritual gifts without recognizing the priority of love, we are investing in time rather than in eternity. I thought that was very helpful. If we're so caught up in stuff that love has got pushed out, we are investing in time rather than in eternity. Rather than holding gold in a time of turmoil which is tangible and real, we're holding fluffy stuff that could float away. Rather than investing in eternity with love, we're investing in time. Those of you that were at the growth groups this last Thursday. We've gotten on to the last two points of our church's uh, mini statement of faith, what we believe. 
and it's about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and in our growth group, as we were discussing this, as I was uh, a guest to a different one, and I had a, pr- a privilege of being there, I asked the question to the group, if Jesus returned tomorrow, are there any events that you're looking forward to that you'd be upset to miss? That might sound like a bit of a strange question. Let's just run this through our mind. Because sometimes we're like this. We get caught up in a situation. God, come after my graduation. Return after I've been married and had 2.5 children. Or if you're from some African country, 7.7 or whatever it is, yeah? Come when I've retired. Come when I've been successful. Come when I've done this or that or the other. And if that is where we are thinking, our hearts are not thinking eternally. We're missing the point because we're putting other stuff in front of God and eternity and love. And that's what the Corinthians were doing with their spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts were taking center stage. And love should be in center stage because love is eternal. And so we need to ask ourselves the question. You need to ask yourself the question. What is center stage of your life? Is it this eternal love that God alone has and brings and gives? Or is it something else? As a church, do we obsess over our programs? Do we obsess over our discipleship courses? Do we obsess over all these other things? Or are we focusing on love? And I think we can honestly say that there are so many problems within churches because love isn't at the center. And Paul developments his argue further. Not only does he say that gifts are temporary, but he says gifts are not everything. Gifts are not everything. Verse 9, for we know in part, we prophesy in part. Paul picks up on knowledge. He picks up on prophecy. And he says it's only part. One or the other is not everything. The Corinthians were going around, and it's interesting, tongues have been dropped straight from this list at this point. And, and, and he's, he's going, the, the, the Corinthians are going around, and, and they're going around as though that is everything. Prophecy is everything. Tongues is everything. Words of knowledge is everything. And Paul says, no, it's in part. It's not everything. Gifts are not everything. Corinthians, something's got you and you've got it wrong and you're thinking gifts are what it's all about and gifts are not everything. Not only are they not eternal like love, but they're only part of the story. And and they should not be the main thing in the Christian's life. And they should not be the main thing in the life of a church. And it goes wrong when it does. And I'm not saying that gifts are not important. You must get that. But what I am saying, and what God's Word is saying, more importantly, it's not about what I say, it's what God's Word says. God's Word is saying that love is what should be the mark of the church. Love should be what is at the center of the church. Because if we don't have love, 
then all these things are clanging gongs and clashing cymbals and nothing and reduced to nothing and we are nothing. And it's like that because gifts are going to come to an end. They're temporary. And, and gifts are not everything. Knowledge, and we can cross-reference that to 12.8 where it talks about uh, words of knowledge or utterances of knowledge. In best, it's part. If you've heard someone give a, a, a word of knowledge or you've read of it, it's just not everything. It's in part. It's not everything. And prophecy is, is not the whole story. At best, it is part. And this was hard. This was offensive in some ways for these Corinthians to come to terms with because they were obsessed with these things and they were thinking these things were everything, particularly the supernatural. It gave them value. It gave them authority. It made them think who they were. And then they're saying, look, no, love. The book ends, love. Get back to love. This is what you need as a church. You need love. The gifts were being promoted at the cost of patience. The gifts were being promoted at the cost of kindness. And patience and kindness were an expression of love. And then gifts were being promoted and pushed at the cost of unity. And unity is an expression of love. And, and we must have the right understanding and the right relationship to spiritual gifts. And that's what we're told in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1. We must, he doesn't want us to be uninformed. We must be informed. That's why it's so important that we're looking at this. But we must remember as we're informed of spiritual gifts, we must realize that these Corinthians would be tempted to think that they were everything. And I'm sure you've heard of situations where, where believers have been told that speaking in tongues is a mark of spiritual maturity. And if you don't speak in tongues, you can't really be a Christian. And that is hurtful, and that is unloving, and that's not what God's Word says. And it's putting an emphasis on spiritual gifts that is not there, and it's beyond where it should be, and it's not loving. And there's been times, and I'm sure you've heard these stories, of when a healing hasn't happened. A large noise has happened, but the healing hasn't happened. And why hasn't it happened? It's not because the healer has got a problem. It's because the person who should have been healed or those praying for them didn't have enough face. Is that loving? Is that what God's word says? That's putting the, 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 the spiritual gifts at the center rather than love and the things that should be at the center at the center. I'm sure you've heard words of prophecy spoken against enemies. Yeah? I think this is a particularly African thing. You'll have some chap shouting condemnation upon people who's going to die. Is that love? Is that what we are called to as God's people? We're called to love our enemies, and then this gentleman or this woman is screaming at the top of their voice into a microphone, condemning whoever, and asking God to rain fire down upon them and to fall down dead. That's not love, is it? That is taking these spiritual gifts and abusing them and putting them to a place where they should not be. Love 
should be the center. The wrong emphasis at best is hurtful. And in reality, it is positively dangerous. And it lacks love. And friends, we mustn't be satisfied with the part. We, we must not neglect all that God wants for us. And the reality and the beauty is we've got all that God wants for us. And then the part isn't that important anymore to us because we have God's word. But we need to remember, as the Corinthians were being told, that gifts are temporary. And gifts are not everything. And Paul develops it further. And in verse, and he goes on to say, and my, my third point is, gifts will end. Gifts will end. Not so they're temporary, but they will end. Verse 10. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. The partial is the impart, and the impart that we've just seen is the, 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 the prophecy uh, and the, 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 the knowledge. And, and that's not knowledge, knowledge, that is the, the words of knowledge, the, the supernatural, uh, extraordinary gift of, of, of that. Now, now, there's a strong argument that tongues aren't mentioned here as the partial because Paul has already used the word finished. You remember, as I said at the beginning, that the two different words used for uh, the coming to the end of prophecy and knowledge and the different word used for uh, tongues, and that was a word cease, and it gives the idea to stop or come to an end. But please, before we get excited in the controversy... What I want us this morning to do is to remember the contrast. The gifts are at best partial. They will pass away. They are not complete. And they are not eternal. And whether you believe the gifts, be that ordinary or extraordinary, whether you believe they have finished or have not finished or they will finish, spiritual gifts will pass away. Gifts will end. All gifts will end. Because all gifts are not needed in heaven. They're not needed in heaven. We don't need them. But what is going to continue in heaven? Love. And this is the contrast that, that Paul is wanting to make to these Corinthians who put so much emphasis on this supernatural, so much emphasis on this spiritual, so much emphasis on this extraordinary. And yes, we will come on to and we will address that the whole question that is in our minds of what does it mean for us right now with regard to our spiritual gifts, ordinary and extraordinary. We will get there. But at this moment, where we are now, I want us to really see and understand this contrast so that we can hold these spiritual gifts in the right and see them in the right light of where they are, in a light that is contrasted with love. 
That's why chapter 13 is here. That's why Paul is emphasizing it. See, Paul is, 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 is coming to them with this. Now, the big question that does come to rise from this passage, and I'm just going to mention it now, is, is this, but when the perfect comes, what does, what does that mean? And traditionally, there are two main ideas of what that could mean. One idea is the perfect is when Jesus returns. Simply put, there will be no need for prophecy in heaven, and we'll have no need of knowledge by way of utterances because it's all complete and finished. And then there's another idea that when the church receives the full canon of Scripture, because when the book of Corinthians, when the letters of Corinthians were being written, they didn't have the New Testament. It was being brought together. They had the Old Testament, but they didn't have the New Testament. And, and, and one idea, people who hold this view, when the full canon of Scripture comes together at the late end of that first uh, century, then people who hold this view say, well, prophecy and utterance of wisdom are not needed because we have everything that we need in God's Word. And people that hold that opinion also often go and say that all the extraordinary gifts have finished because the church has the whole Word of God and that season has finished. Well, previously you, you've heard me say from God's Word that the gift of apostle and prophet, as the Corinthians would have understood, and the Corinthians would have understood the apostle and the prophet to be someone speaking authoritative words from God, thus says the Lord, that is finished. That's finished because the foundation of the church has been settled. And the word, the Bible, is complete. And I'm going to hold to that. But I think on balance, when we look at this particular passage, and when it talks about when the perfect comes, it is talking about the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we go on in this series, we'll see that develop further. And I don't think there's any... Uh, conflict with, with the position that uh, I'm bringing, that God's word is telling us that the gift of apostles and prophets, as the Corinthians would have understood, has finished. But I, I'm convinced that the big issue for the Corinthians was not so much about when the gifts ended, because they hadn't. They clearly hadn't. They still were part of their life at that moment in time. But for them, the big issue is and the big issue that we need to be taking away from it for ourselves this morning is the fact that they were holding on to stuff that wasn't eternal and they were sacrificing love. They were holding on to spiritual gifts and saying this was the big thing that church life was all about. And love is what should be at the center of church life. And we need to do exactly the same. We need to do exactly the same no matter what our believing on with the gifts, whether they're finished or they continue or none or all, or that kind of stuff. What we, each and every one of us, need to do is focus on what really matters, and that's God's love to us. And our love to God. 
and our love demonstrated to one another. And we have to go back to holding up that mirror, which we talked about before, didn't we? We looked at these verses in 13, uh, from 4 through to 7. And we said, this isn't just a sentimental, mushy thing. This is a mirror that we have to hold up to our lives. And that's what we need to do. This is what's all important. It's not a matter if you have a spiritual gift or don't have a spiritual gift. That's not a matter. Are you patient? Are you kind? Do you envy? Do you boast? Are you arrogant? Are you rude? Do you insist on your own way? Are you irritable? Are you resentful? Do you rejoice in wrongdoing? What are the memes that you laugh at online? Do you rejoice in the truth? Do you bear all things, believe all things, hope all things, endure all things? That is what we should be focusing on. That's what the big deal is. And the church is in such a mess because it has stopped looking at love and holding for that and being that. And the church at Corinth was in that mess, yeah? It wasn't just because of the gifts. Chapters 1 and 3, they're in a mess because they're fighting over who they're following. No love there. Chapter 4, they were fighting because they were following their own ideas. No love there. Chapters 5 and 6, they've got real problems with sexual immorality. Incorrect love there. Chapter 6, fighting in court action, taking one against each other. No love there. Chapter 8, offerings to idols and getting their heads all messed up. No love there. Chapter 9, choosing their own way, going their own way. No love there. Chapter 10, idolatry, not loving the right God there. Chapter 11, getting stressed about head coverings and things. And chapter 11, and, and in their communion service and Lord's Supper, they were making a mess of it and getting drunk. No love there. If they'd been walking in love, as this chapter describes, if love was patient, if love was kind, if it didn't envy, if it didn't boast, if, if it wasn't arrogant, if it wasn't rude, if it didn't insist on its own way, if it wasn't irritable, if it wasn't resentful, if it didn't rejoice in wrongdoing, if it did rejoice in the truth, if it did bear all things, if it did believe all things, if it did hope all things, if it did endure all things, we wouldn't have the book of Corinthians. If that's what the church was like, we wouldn't have those first chapters. Because the church wouldn't be messed up. And the reason that church was messed up was because love had been taken out of the equation. And the shocking thing is, it had been replaced. Love had been replaced with something else. And this something else that they had replaced love with was something spiritual. And that's how the devil works. The devil can sometimes take something that's good and proper in its right place and we put an overemphasis on it. And it robs us of, and it degrades God of who he is. They thought they were so mature because of their gifts. They, they probably heard, and if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, and they thought, we do. <laughs> we do. I can do that. But if you have not love. And they thought because of their spiritual gifts and their spiritual abilities that they were mature. And fourthly, gifts are not a sign of maturity. Verse 11, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. 
They're holding on to spiritual gifts at the expense of the eternal, expense of love, which is God's love, and that love that was poured out to them on conversion. They were being childish. And then the tragedy was these Corinthians, these believers, were continuing to walk in their childish ways. Because they were overvaluing the temporary gifts. The temporary gifts of the moment rather than the eternal values of love. And then they, they were doing this and they were demonstrating this, this love because they were quarreling. And there were divisions. And the, there was pride and there was spite and it fueled their fractions and it fueled their divisions and all these things belong in the nursery and they're totally inappropriate for believers who should be mature. They spoke in tongues and they thought that they had made it. And the Corinthians... The Corinthians seem to have forgotten the realities and the perfection of heaven in their squabbling about the things of this earth, earthly gifts. And they were living as if there was no life beyond the nursery. Gifts are not a sign of spiritual maturity. We need the gifts. We need the gifts that are relevant for today for the building up of the church. That is right and that is proper. But that's where it stops. The spiritual gifts are not the church. The spiritual gifts are not salvation. The spiritual gifts are not a sign. They are a gift from God through the Holy Spirit so that the church may be edified, so that the church may grow, so that God's kingdom may come. And these guys, had, in their immaturity, had stolen them and put a value on them that was just not meant to be. And, and tragically, the same can happen to us. And the same is happening around and about. And, and, and wrong priorities can be put upon gifts. And I think sometimes we can point to other churches and say, yeah, that's what they do. We don't do that here. But we need to ask ourselves, you need to ask yourself, are you putting the priority on the right things? Because sometimes our priority can be thinking we're better than others. Sometimes our priority can say, oh, we're not like those other churches. We get it right, do we? Is love at the center is love what we're known for? Is this place a you, a person of God's love? Love that is demonstrated in your love for one another? Love that is demonstrated in loving the lost that are out there? We may have come to the conclusion that tongues are not a sign of spiritual maturity. But if we're not living a life of love, as described in this chapter, we need to grow up.
We need to grow up. We may think we've got our theology sorted out. But if we're not living a life of love as described in this chapter, we need to grow up. Gifts. We don't know it all. Verse 12, for now we see in the mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. We are fully known, friends. And I want to, to wrap it up here. We're going to come back to this passage next week and in following weeks. We don't know everything now. Seeing in a mirror dimly was something that those people then would have known very, very well. You all walk in here on a Sunday, and a lot of you, and those that you are late, I can see you, because I can see through that frosted glass, yeah, I can see an image of you, and, and you stop by the pillar, and you look at the mirror, and then, oh, I can go to church now, I'm okay, I'm all ready, yes? And when you look in a mirror you, out there, you get a very clear reflection of yourself, Yes? Uh, some of you ladies, I, I know what you do with your phones, yes? You're not intently taking notes, you're just readjusting your makeup. You're looking at yourself in a reflection. Perhaps some of you gentlemen are doing that, I don't know. But in those days, the, the mirrors weren't bright and shiny like we have. They, they were dim, they were dull, they were copper that was shined up, and you would see, and you look, and you see dimly, and you wouldn't see the full reflection back. And then Paul is saying, that's what we're like now. We know in part, but there is a time that we shall know fully. But there are some things that we know now. And one of the things is this, that we have been fully known. God knows us inside out. God knows you right now. And he knows what you've been thinking about as God has been speaking to us through his word. He knows whether you've been convicted and thinking, yes, I should have more love in my life. Or he may even realize that you've been thinking, but I'm pretty good. I do this, I do that. This isn't for me. God knows everything. He is fully you, you, you are fully known by him right now. And that's a sombering thought, isn't it, friends? And so rather than rely on your own knowledge and your own thoughts and your own ideas, run to God. I ask the Holy Spirit to, to show you where you are at now. Confess the fact that you may not have got it right or you need to get it right, or you want to work harder, or whatever it is. But just as he has fully known us, we also know that we've been fully loved by the Father. 
And then this love has transcended time. This love, as we read at the beginning, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. It goes on forever. God's word and God's love is an eternal love. It didn't have a beginning. It doesn't have an end. And for those of us that are trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, although we may come here being fully known and challenged by what God is saying to us, friends, you are fully loved by God. Fully loved to the extent that he sent his only son to die on the cross. You've been purchased, you've been bought, and the moment you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, the moment the Holy Spirit opened your eyes and made you spiritually alive, at that moment, the Holy Spirit gave you the fullness of God's love. And so, friends, we can know love that is patient and kind. We can show this love that is patient and this love that is kind. We can show this love that doesn't envy and doesn't boast and is not arrogant and is not rude and doesn't insist in its own way and doesn't make us irritable or resentful. We can know that not because we have it, but because we have been given it. We've been given it. That the greatest gift of all after the Holy Spirit being given to us is, or is it... Which is greater? That's a, that's a great question. Sorry. <laughs> is the gift of the Holy Spirit greater than the gift of God's love? We've got both of them. We don't have to choose. You've got both of them, friends. And we can continue in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for when we've been caught up in the temporary when we've been caught up in the here and the now, and when we've pushed love, your love, out of our lives to a second place. Forgive us for when we've been like the Corinthians in that mindset. Forgive us for when we've been arrogant and hypocritical and think we've not been like the Corinthians because we've got a good idea about what we think spiritual gifts are. And that's become our center stage. Oh Lord God, Forgive us for anything that has pushed you, your love, and the eternal out of the primary place that it should be. Forgive us for when, as a church, we haven't been patient and haven't been kind. Forgive us for when we have envied and when we have boasted and when we've been arrogant and when we've been rude and when we've insisted on our own way. Forgive us for when we've been irritable and resentful. Forgive us for when we've enjoyed wrongdoing. Forgive us for when we've not rejoiced in the truth as much as we should have. Forgive us when we haven't borne all things, believed all things, hoped all things, or endured all things. And Heavenly Father, we thank you because of your amazing love. Because of your Son's amazing love for you and for us, that his sacrifice was complete. We thank you for the amazing gift of the Holy Spirit who has opened our eyes and hearts and lives and comes in indwelling with us. Thank you for the amazing gift of your love which has been through the Holy Spirit poured out in us. Oh Lord God, as you forgive us for the wrong that we've done, help us to walk in the right. And may you, almighty God, never have to write us a letter like what the Corinthians had. May you change us, mold us, 
and make us the church that your son died for us to be. In Jesus' mighty name we prayed. Amen. Amen.